All right, this Monday, January 15th, marks the 50th anniversary of classic nostalgia TV sitcom Happy Days. Set in the 1950s, Milwaukee, the show centered on the Cunningham family, including teenage son Richie, played by Ron Howard, and his circle of friends, including Anson Williams and Don Most. And also a charismatic reeser known as Fonzie, played by Henry Winkler. Marion Ross, Tom Bosley, Aaron Moran, and Scott Bale also rounded out the cast. And tonight we're going to hear from Anson Williams, Don Most, Marion Ross, and Henry Winkler. First up, it's Potsy Anson Williams. Anson, glad to have you in studio. Welcome in. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. 50 years of happy days. Let's go back to the early 70s and tell us how you got the part. Well, it's... It's it's a long story. The yeah. road on Happy Days. I don't think people realize that there were two pilots. Yeah, right. And the first one didn't have a Fonzie. No. And didn't have a Ralphie. And didn't have a Tom Bosley. No. And didn't have an Aaron Moran. No. It had Marion, Ron, and I. Harold Gould. M- Harold Gould played the father. Yeah. But it was a softer show. It was more like Summer Forty Two. You know, it was a year before Man Graffiti, and they were really desperate in casting the Potsy character. I mean, I, I was going down to audition the day before fittings and then shooting the next day. That's how tight it was. So I got the call to audition, and uh, I had never really auditioned for a pilot before. So uh, I, get, I go, great. I'm, I'm in my car on my way down. It's pouring rain, and my car stalls. And back then, they didn't have cell phones, anything. Right. You schlepped right. to a payphone. Yeah, right. You know, and I'm like drenched. I'm just drenched. Yeah. And I call up the auto club. Yeah. Right? Come get me. Well, it's going to be a few hours. We're, 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 we're swamped. Oh, it's like, oh, God. So I get back to the car. And I mean, it's like I took a shower. And I'm, and I'm this old Corvair, and I'm sitting in, so I'm sitting in there, and I, and I thought, oh, God, I didn't call my agent. Well, I'm not walking back out there. Not to the phone heck, again, no, no, to heck. Yeah. So- Hours later, they come. It was just a loose wire or whatever. They get it done, but it's hours after the audition. And I'm thinking, well, I might as well go home. I mean, they've cast it. It's done. Yeah. And something said in yeah. my head, yeah. go we get can it. move forward, boy. Yeah, and something it. deep down said, no, they haven't cast it. I don't know why. And I, so I'm four hours late, three hours late. I get to the studio. I get in. And I and I and I hear this voice. Where the hell you been, Millie Gussie, the casting director? Okay. She, yeah. I go. I, I'm, I'm this. I was Millie. broken down. Okay. I was yeah, broken Millie. down. I was. You know. I couldn't. She goes. Yeah. Lucky. We haven't found a pot. We haven't found Potsy yet. I go. What's a Potsy? <laughs> she goes. You read this. Here. Read this. So I. I so I remember my friend Howie Schertzman. So I just like used. I used his personality for the character. So I read. She goes. Stay there. Well. P.S. It goes through. By the time I got home, you know, the phone's ringing, and I'd gotten the part. Wow. Okay, I'd gotten Pretty the part. Awesome. yeah. And we do the pilot. It was in 71. It was a few years before that. It was a new family in town. So it was, it was kind of a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't even, you know, I think it was 72. It was 72? Yeah, okay. it was the year before. Okay, okay. So, so we, we do the pilot. It goes, oh, you're just terrific. You're great. Oh, my God. This thing's for sure going to sell, for sure going to sell. I'm, going, I'm already like, ha, this is great. Yeah. It doesn't sell. I go back to concerned boyfriend roles. <laughs> I mean, it was great. Yeah. I, it was a career. Literally, there'd be a five-page right. scene. I had five lines. Yeah. So, uh, and then I nod a lot. But, uh, so anyway, a year later, American Graffiti comes out. And then Ron's even starring in it, right? Yeah. American Graffiti comes out. I'm doing the show called Lisa Bright and Dark uh, in San Francisco, this Hallmark Hall of Fame movie. I get a call. They're, they're doing another Happy Days pilot because, you know, American Graffiti's popular. The Broadway show Grease is popular. They want to do another pilot. I go, great. When are we shooting? Well, you're auditioning. 
Oh, what? Really? What? What do you mean? I created the character. I, you know, I don't know. You know that. He, yeah. You know, he who owns the gold makes the rules. Yeah. They, they might. They think you might. You and Ron might be too old. What? So now we're down there. Now we've got a screen test. Because how old are you at the time? Twenty. Twenty-two. Okay. Yeah. Twenty-three. Okay. Yeah, twenty-three at the time. So. And, you know, but we looked like babies. Yeah, the face, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't matter anyway. It's just, you know, corporate stuff. So there's like, you know, 15 pairs of people playing Potsy and Richie. Richie, you know, it's like pretty intimidating. But I go down there the day before for, for wardrobe fitting. And Ron's there getting wardrobe fitting. And yeah. we're doing it together. Yeah. And he goes, Anson, um, I know a lot about this pilot stuff. I said, I know nothing. He goes, no, listen to me. They only give you 20 minutes. He said... I got a hunch. If we can find the set and rehearse ourselves and make up all this stuff, all cool, all this cool stuff, and then act like it's spontaneous when we're shooting <laughs> the, the test, we'll get longer time. Brilliant. Okay. He's, well, he is brilliant. So, so Ron directs us in the scene and we create all this, all this, all these bits. Right. And, um, so next morning we're first up and Gary Marshall's directing the, the test and, uh, and, uh, 20 minutes turned into two hours. Oh, I like that. Do this. Oh, that's good. Do this. We started becoming this creative time, this creative time. And we walk out of there and you can see all these sullen faces, the other 14 pairs. Yeah. And I'm just smiling going by. <laughs> but anyway, PS, we got the part again. Yeah. But again, it was, it was moving forward. Ron was smart. We did that extra something. Now, Don Most was actually auditioning for Potsy. Okay. But he was so good. They created the role of Ralph for him to hang on to. Yeah. Him. And then Fonzie was there. You know, a small part. Well, P.S., you saw the magic happen. And Willie, I remember back, way back when, I had a problem with in high school with football, and I didn't think something was fair. And he said, he said, listen, there's, sometimes there's better ways to get there. There's better ways to get there. Be patient. And sure enough, if we'd have taken the first road with the first pilot, it had gone on air and failed. Interesting to say that, yeah. No, no yeah. There's a be- we, went, we got a better way to get there. Second pilot, why, how did we get there? We had a Fonzie character. We had Tom Bosley. We had a Ralph character. Better way to get there? Hit hit show. But they still burned one of those off on Love American style. Was that the first pilot or the second? The first pilot, pilot they burned the off. Yeah, it wasn't made for Love American style, but they they played they just it off because it. it was a half hour. You know, American. They American, never got rid of anything Love American like style. Was ten minutes yeah. segments. Yeah, right, right, right. Wow. So. Were you, did you, were you shocked that this finally got picked up, you know, after a couple of years of just kind of sitting there? Was it kind of, you know, or was it kind of like, yes, I, I was patient, I waited, and now here it is for me? No, I wasn't patient. <laughs> but, um, okay. no, it was like, wow, great. But it went on the air so fast, and we worked so hard. Yeah. It, 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 you didn't even have time to digest it. Yeah. You know, it was it was a crazy time of seventeen hour days, and and the pace was different. I mean, it was it was single camera. There was yes. no audience. No uh, audience. It was, it was like summer of forty two, kind of watching. A, it was like watching a movie every yeah. week. Yeah, it, it was. Like, well, it was more like graffiti now. It, yeah. had, it had a, it had a more of a hipper, you know, it did. music tone to it. And uh, yeah, but yeah, it was totally different and a lot of work. But I mean, out of the box, it was number sixteen. The next season, it dropped down to Four, like out of the top forty eighth. Yeah, it was forty eighth. And you weren't sure if it was going to be renewed. And I know the answer to this, but tell us what the turning point was. Well, first of all, all of us on our own went out and promoted. You did. Enough. On the road. Yeah. Just to keep it on the air, just to get a chance for third season. Fred Silverman happened to have taken over entertainment at ABC. And Jerry Paris and Gary Marshall thought, if we change the show into three camera, because, you know, Jerry directed uh, Dick Van Dyke. Dyke. Mm-hmm. Gary was doing the odd couple. I mean, there were three camera, you know, 
geniuses. Yeah. They said they, they think they could work the show uh, into a hit by going live audience. And Fred Silverman agreed, but he said it's very important to put Fonzie forward, move him up to the front. And Ron Howard had a yes or no decision on that. And Ron Howard said, absolutely, better for the show. I'll take a backseat. That's going to make the show. And there we are, 48th place, you know, live audience, first show, people are on their feet, crazy, yelling, screaming. That year, we went up to the highest rated show in the history of television, became the number one show in the world, and we became the phenomena. It was cool to see that episode because, I mean, it was using some of the original set pieces. I think you had it. Didn't they have to move the set to another stage so that oh, you yeah. could actually film all of that? Well, we had the I Love Lucy stage. Is that what it was? Yeah. The oh, second Lucy cool. series, same crew, same cameras. Wow. You know, there's even, a story, there's even a story yeah, there's about that book, stage yeah. in the book. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, you know, then it took off from there and, and the rest is history, really. Yeah. And, and, and it's one of those rare moments in time. But... Uh, Gary Marshall was such a teacher. He made sure we wore many hats so we'd have lots of tools for our lives, for our careers in show business. And that's why I think everyone's still involved in the entertainment business because we used it, you know, in a very um, meaningful way. We, we, we took it seriously. We, didn't, we were in it. We weren't of it. And we were able to learn directing, writing, and, 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 and be able to continue our lives in, in the entertainment business. Well, we're talking to actor, author, and TV director Anson Williams, and there's more right after this on 720 WGN. So we just talked a little bit about how Happy Days got off the ground, and I have to tell you, what a legendary cast that you worked with, and great people. I, I've had a chance to to talk to Henry Winkler. I actually taught a class with him up at Marquette University oh. on the history of television, and uh, I've interviewed Marion Ross. I mean, such great people to work with. Oh, it was just one, yeah. one of those rare combinations of, of people. And, you know, and the real, maybe the major reason for the, the, the evergreen part of Happy Days is because of the people. There's something about our personalities and our chemistry that um, is bigger than the page. You know, it's just, it's an it factor that you can't write. And it just happens rarely. But when it does... Uh, it's 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 magic. It's I mean, Happy Days crossed over every culture. Yeah, it does. They, they knew nothing about the fifties. Yeah, but they related to the characters. Yeah. Some, there was something that connected with the human race. Yeah, and it's pretty timeless as well. Uh, you wrote in the book too about about Gary talking to you about baseball in yes. the beginning of the show to see if you were uh, a player. And yeah. obviously, he had in mind from a leadership perspective how to keep people grounded and how to get people to work as a team, maybe kind of outside of their normal element. I thought that was awesome. Well, Gary is a sports nut. Yeah. And honestly, he wanted a, he wanted a softball team so he could play all the major stadiums in pre-charity games. <laughs> it's brilliant. And, and at, yeah, when we're auditioning, he wants to know, do you play ball? Mm-hmm. Why? What, do you play ball? Oh, yeah, it was pretty good. I was in you know all, Little League All-Star game. He goes, oh, what position? I go, first. He goes, I'm first. I play first. I said, but I'll show you. He goes, how, how, you, an out, how are you an outfielder? <laughs> Whatever you want, Gary. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he put together a softball team. Yeah. And I th- the, our greatest memories uh, are those games, are those experiences. We played in Germany. We played in Japan. I was here when you played at Wrigley. We played at Wrigley. 79. We, we played oh, yeah. every major stadium. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it really did make us closer. Henry didn't play. Henry did play. But he didn't at first. At first, no. You guys taught him how to play. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, Don could have been a professional. Don Most. Ron was Is that great. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty good. 
and uh, we had a great. Uh, we had some some of the crew were amazing. They what, came with us. What was the turn? What was the point for you, Anson, where you knew the show was huge? Like, what was that moment that you said, "Holy cow! This is this is big." Well, there were a couple of moments. I mean, from the get go, um, it was big with the teenage crowd, um, and that was just mind blowing. I mean, yeah. we we had no idea till the first personal appearance. I had uh, an, I had an Aaron Moran poster in my room. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was it was you know they teach you how to they teach you how to act and your craft. Yeah. There's not a there should be a class on how to deal with fame. Yeah, how do you deal really, with that kind of fame? Right. Sixty million people a week, up to sixty eight million people. Yeah. You know, and Henry Winkler was the number one star in the world. Yeah, but when you guys just walked out on stage. The yeah. audience was screaming. Yeah. Before you even spoke, that's yeah. how hot that show yeah. was. Yeah, it was, I yeah. mean, it was, but um, it just, it, you know, it, 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 it became apparent where, you, you know, you're, you're everywhere. Yeah. And everybody knows you and all that. But at the same time, all of us lived a life to kind of, actually back then, the paparazzi and all that, they weren't as um, they didn't no. cross the line very much. Uh-uh. They didn't go where you lived. They didn't, you know. So basically, if you went to them, it was you know, you, you had to deal with it, and yeah. it's fine. But they didn't come to you, so you could actually kind of create a life for yourself, as popular as it was. Sure. Uh, these days, boy, I don't know. It's just it would be really difficult to to have that privacy. That fame isn't as big as it was back then because there was only three channels, right? And so you know, the exposure that you had was so different now. You also talked about in the book and another inspirational moment from from Willie, you know, you wanted to kind of expand what you were doing with the show even. And you went to Gary and said, you know, I, I, I sing. Oh, well, the, well, again, when I when I was um, <clears throat> 15, the first year I was working there at Leonard's department store, we're unpacking refrigerators in the appliance department and way back. And uh, <laughs> the big deal was you had these refrigerators and, you, and when you open the little freezer in them. There was no ice. Okay. Your food was, yeah. was without chopping away at rice yeah. and all that. Yeah. So we're unpacking him, and I tell Willie, yeah, freeze your food, not your freezer. And he goes, that's good, boy. You got, he goes, you got to, you got the gift of words. You know, you, you find opportunity. Yeah. You know, you got that. That's you, some good advertising you, yeah, stuff there. Yeah, he said, you got, you got the gift. You know how to sell, boy. You, he said, you use that proper. Don't use it for bad. You use it for good. You good, boy. And two days later... There's a banner across the appliance, uh, you know, section. Yeah, freeze your food, not your freezer. <laughs> and I felt so great. I'm oh, yeah. something. I I'm good at something. Yeah. And and they sold a bunch of refrigerators. So that was the beginning of me looking for opportunity. This is kind of my entrepreneurial beginning. And uh, so while we're doing happy days, uh, we didn't get paid like stars do today. Nowhere near. Right, right, right. So I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking for opportunity, and it hits me. You know, David Cassidy's singing on the Partridge Family. He's got this record deal. You the had the Brady si- Bunch. You had a similar record, same label. Right. Well, yeah. what happened? Yeah. And then um, the Brady Bunch. They're singing. So, so I, I, we, I said, let's get a band on the show. So I go to. I find Gary, and, and Gary's telling me, I don't have time right now. I'm busy. I go, no, no, you got to listen to me. He goes, well, walk with me. What? 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 Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> so I had sixty seconds. It changed my life. I said, you got girls, you got cars, you need a band on Happy Days. You know, remember, I, I sing, and we can have this band, and Richie could be in it, and Ralphie could be in it. Well, we, music we, was so part of, you know, big part of yeah, the show anyway. I mean, exactly, was, yeah, yeah, but I mean, and, and be, we have a band, we can use it, it'd be great for the show. He goes, oh, a band, yeah. 
I used to be a drummer. Yeah, I could. That sounds, that's a good idea. He said, yeah, there's a show coming up, a fraternity party, and the band can play there. Go go to Bobby and you, you pick a song. I like that. I, I go, I'm going, it just changed my life. Yeah. 60 right. seconds. Yeah. Then he stops and turns back to me. But you're singing to a bulldog. <laughs> I go, why? He said, if you're good, I get laughs. If you're bad, I get laughs. You're singing to a bulldog. So there I there I am singing. I'm all okay. shook up to a bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. and but singing to a bulldog, it was much more than metaphorical for you. Yeah, it was much more than just singing that one song. It opened up a music career on the show. I got signed to the same labels, David Cassidy. Right, right. I started doing concerts all over the country. What was the thing after you tape on Fridays? You were on a plane. I was on a plane doing a concert somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said earlier. Um, a jumping the shark is a precise moment when success, success fails. Singing the bulldog is a precise moment when you start to climb. And that was the beginning of my climb, real climb yeah. in life. There was one episode, and I do want you to share a little bit of this story, uh, about Robin Williams. And uh, he wasn't the first guy chosen to play Mork. You guys saw the script for this Mork episode. You were all pretty like... What is this? <laughs> it, well, the script, you know, Gary and his son, Scotty, who was 10 at the time, saw Star Wars, and Scotty asked his dad to do a, a Martian episode. Yeah. You know, and his family. Okay. Yeah, it was the worst script ever. I mean, we're, we were so proud of the material we, we would sure, get. Absolutely. This was, like, horrible. Yeah. And just, anyway, we, we, we just we couldn't believe we were doing this thing. So they hired some actor, and... Monday we're rehearsing, Tuesday we're rehearsing, Wednesday we're rehearsing. It's horrid. Thursday's camera blocking day. It's mechanical. It's, and Friday you're, sh- you're shooting it with an audience Yeah. after a quick run-through. Yeah. Yeah. So Wednesday's the last really rehearsal. That night the actor quits. And I didn't blame him. He looked terrible. <laughs> he quits. Yeah. Gary comes down to the set and says, uh, anybody know a funny Martian? Al Monero says, hey, uh, yeah, it was there's this there's this uh, funny guy in my Harvey Lembeck improvisational class, Robin Williams. And then Ronnie Hallen, who was Gary's sister, says, oh, yeah, yeah, here he's funny. All right, bring him down. So the next morning, it's camera blocking day. There's never a writer on the set. It is just mechanics. I'm in a little later because I'm not in the first few scenes. I get on the set. You can hear a pin drop. There's every writer. Yeah writing like crazy jerry paris comes up to me he's a genius he's a genius he's a genius what is what yeah and i watched this robin williams creating the whole the whole character improving the entire script and the writers are desperately writing down this genius yeah nanu nanu standing on his head the whole enchilada yeah yeah. that was when okay that was thursday by friday night it was the best, one of the best shows in the history of Amazing. television. Yeah, yeah. The audience is going crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and all, I, it's very interesting. Would have would Robin have ever had the opportunity to be all he could be in any other part? He would never be a hundred percent if true. he had to play anything. He wasn't. He, yeah. he had this. He had this platform to be the the God given gift he is of the world. Even when I've watched that episode, I've noticed all of you almost like watching him. Oh. It's very noticeable that you were all kind of like in in awe a little bit. Oh, of what was I've going never, on. I've yeah. never, I've never, never worked with a performer like that. And the kindest, gentlest, wonderful human being on earth. Great to hear. 
Thanks for hanging out with us for so long tonight. So much fun. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Thanks for sharing those stories. You bet. All right. Much more ahead at 720 WGN. All right. It's Dave Plyer back with you on 720 WGN. So before she was affectionately known to millions as Mrs. C on TV's Happy Days, Marion Ross began her career as a Paramount starlet who went on to appear in nearly every major TV series of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And soon came that fateful phone call from producer Gary Marshall that made her an overnight success and changed her life. And to share that journey with us, Marion Ross joins us once again tonight. Marion, how are you? Well, I am so well. Isn't that extraordinary? I think that's my Midwest uh, being raised in the Midwest. I think it is. Very grounded, you are. Yeah. Well, and we had those tough winters in Minnesota, in Albert Lee, Minnesota. You did. You absolutely did. You know, you went... You obviously went uh, to study drama at the McPhail Center of the Arts. You went to San Diego University, and um, you got married. You moved to Hollywood uh, early on. Uh, you know, as you were trying to uh, make it make it big there in Hollywood, and you eventually got a studio contract at, at Paramount. You know, you dealt with some struggles. You know, with your husband at the time and and alcohol and and you know having a drink and smoking in the fifties wasn't that uncommon. But this was probably a little over the top. Oh no! Everybody, everybody's smoking. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And and because I come from a Scotch Presbyterian father, that was very little drinking. So I wasn't uh, drinking. I didn't think that was going to be a problem for yeah. anybody. Right. Well, so I found out, didn't I? Yeah. You did. Yeah, you did. But you know, you still, you know, with that said, you still forged forward. You you were talking about some of the icons that you worked with, uh, along with Ginger Rogers, William Holden, uh, you know, yeah. and and you played an Irish maid very early on. And I love this because you know you think about the Brooklyn Bridge days. You played an Irish maid yeah. on Life well, with Father. I always like doing. I always doing. I like doing accents. Yeah, I I, I, I love so. I had I could do an Irish accent, and uh, I. I, I like with father. I love that. We, we did it live at CBS. Yeah, right. So with Leon Ames and Le, and Lorraine Tuttle live. You know, no mistakes. <laughs> there it was. So I, I was always imitate. I would love to imitate the way people talked. Yeah. If I if I listen, in fact, I I would when I was like in the third grade, mm-hmm. there was a girl that. You know, they had the really cutest, cutest poor little way of, of speaking. See, this, it was so cute. And I thought so immediately, I imitated that. And and the next thing I know, we were both sent to a remedial speech class. Oh, so, you know? that's, right. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's so great. I, I snapped out of it right away. But yeah. she's there to this day, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. No, that's cool. And that was very early television too. I mean, and I and I was reading this at Life with Father, even though it was broadcast in black and white, they actually they actually kind of broadcast it in color because but no one had a color TV back then. Oh, I guess. Yeah. 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 When you get to be as old as I am, it's so like this this industry. In fact, when I was at Paramount, it was so and I was 20, 22 years old, yeah. 23 under contract to Paramount. Everybody, all the big stars were there on the lot. Um, I mean, at lunch time, Marlene Dietrich would come swooping into the commissary. Wow. CB DeMille was in this little alcove around the corner. I mean, all it was all all happening 
Edith Head was head of the of the wardrobe department, and you would wow. go up there, and Edith Head would pick out something for you to wear. Wow! You know, and so it was thrilling. Yeah, thrilling back then, absolutely. And you did your share of not only movies under contract, but you also did a ton of television. I was looking at this, Donna Reed, Burns and Allen, Father Knows Best. Uh, the Glenn Miller story, you played a mail-order bride in an episode of Rawhide, The Fugitive, The the Outer Limits, Operation Petticoat with Cary Grant and Tony Curtis, the original Hawaii Five O, The Brady Bunch. But like other young actors and actresses, you had a list of both struggles and successes, right? Absolutely. It's not, I hope everybody knows, it's not an easy business. It's not no. easy, children. No. You know? No. And uh, <clears throat> no. I would watch, I would watch some of these actresses uh, making time, you know, and getting ahead of me. And I would think, <laughs> but I was so well brought up. I was so yeah. careful with myself. Sure. So, so that's why it. It took me a long time to really get established. I was like I was in my early fifties with with uh, Happy Days, you know. That's crazy because yeah. I was so careful with my life. Sure, sure. Well, you know, and then the late sixties, you got divorced. Now you've got kids, you got finances, you know, you got a home to pay for, and you essentially kind of had a start over and I know you had a friendship with Sandra Gould who was Mrs. Kravitz from Bewitched. Yes. And she kinda yes. told you about this this pilot uh that was happening and it was the new family in town, which was a, a prelude to to Happy Days of course. Yes. On, on Love American style. It was, it was, yeah. So I, I owe her a great deal and she had me come over for dinner and the casting moment and as simple as that. Wow. You know? Wow, amazing uh, how that happens. But yeah. you know, I when I look back at my life, I was helped. I was constantly being helped by people. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yes, good friends, good friends and great family too. And um, you know, it was really a dream come true because you know the 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 nineteen fifties were pretty popular with American graffiti and the theatrical play Grease and ABC picked up this show with a slightly modified cast from the original pilot. Uh, and then you had Ronnie Howard and, and Henry Winkler, the late Tom Bosley. What an amazing experience that must have been uh, to, to get that role. Well, it was. Of course, we had no idea that it was going to turn into this phenomenal success. It was, it was only after I think we'd been on like a year and a half. And then finally the young producer called us all in. And he said, you've all got to cooperate. Because we have a hit on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> and you went live in front of a live audience. Uh, Marion, you know, uh, you were one of my first interviews six or seven years ago, and I have to say it is always a pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you so much. I love talking to you, honey. It's just wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so bye much. Bye. All right, bye-bye now. It's 720 WGN. Welcome back to the show, Henry. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, the show premiered in 74. The yes. original pilot was called New Family in Town. It was taped in 71. It didn't right. fly, and your character hadn't even been developed yet at that point. No, uh, you know what it is. Um, it, we we did it like a little film, so that uh, we shot it all around Paramount Lot. We we almost never left Paramount Lot except when we did uh, the car races or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. 
And then it wasn't working. We were number 48 uh, of all the shows on the air at the time, which was pretty, pretty poor. Yeah, what was the turning point? Uh, 1975, Gary Marshall made a deal with ABC and said, you know what, we're going to shoot it in front of a live audience. I have great success with that, with The Odd Couple. Let's try it like that. And it took off and like a rocket, and it became number one. I think I remember the episode, actually, because I remember it, it, it seemed like out of norm of what we were watching those first couple seasons, it was when you were getting married to a stripper. <laughs> I think uh, what You know what? I did not remember that. Yeah, it was getting married to the stripper, because I remember the the way the... They changed the set to do it for a live audience, but you, but you know, in the first couple seasons, the Cunningham House looked a little different. Arnold's looked a little different, and I remember that being the live episode and how crazy people got. I mean, just when you or Ron or somebody walked out on the stage, the screaming that would happen so different from what we were watching with the laugh track and so forth. The first couple of seasons, it was yeah, incredible. it was it was pretty amazing. It was amazing for us. Here's the thing: Ron Howard had not really done anything in front of a live audience before. And I'm telling you, it, he is so powerful as a human being. It was like he took it to a duck to water. <laughs> is that right? That's it great. was seamless. You know, I was amazed because, you know, you have to wait for the laugh. You know, at the crest of the laugh is when you start the next line. If you do it too early, you cut the laugh off. The audience gets confused and frustrated. You know, it's very particular, very detailed to work in front of a live audience. He was amazing. And, and the rest is really history, because at that point, the show absolutely took off. Uh, I think I think Happy Days, the theme changed, like everything, Rock Around the Clock well, the got done. The theme changed because of money. You know, oh. around the, uh, Rock Around the Clock was too expensive. So they wrote a theme song that they could then use forevermore. Gotcha. And, and uh, Charlie Fox, who uh, wrote the theme song, uh, has my very same birthday. Oh, very good. Yeah. Small fact. Small fact. Small fact. And I, I think... know these things. <laughs> absolutely. And I think also from a, a perspective of... Because oh, I know... That here's another fact. Yeah, sure. The food they put down in front of us in Arnold's uh-huh. was horrific. <laughs> was it really? Inedible. <laughs> So was it even from the craft table? Was it just sitting around all day? I mean, what, the craft table was already a a French five star restaurant compared to what they put down in front of us. <laughs> That's lovely. I'll remember that next time I'm walk- watching you take a bite out of something. <laughs> yeah, notice I don't take very loud. I don't take a lot of bites. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know the music thing too. I know. I think uh, the next season of Happy Days finally coming out on DVD. That that has been hung up by rights issues. But didn't they use Anson a lot uh, to sing a lot of the songs coming out of the yes, jukebox uh, and so forth? Well, everybody was a singer, but me. Uh, Anson sang. Donnie sang. I think they both made an album. Scott Baio sang. He made an album. Right. They wanted me to make an album, and I said gentlemen i cannot sing and i will not make an album if i can't sing they said it's okay we'll we'll record one note at a time <laughs> and i thought to myself nah, i don't think so <laughs> and then try to put it together try to edit yeah. it all together they, all would, they would then edit the notes together and i thought this is a bad thing <laughs> this is bad yeah you know, because if there's such a thing as reincarnation, man, I'm coming back as Bruce Springsteen. I would hope so. Oh, yes. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. You know, there was something else also I remember in the beginning of the series. Uh, the Fonz character did not wear a leather jacket. He wore a windbreaker. What was the yes. windbreaker all about? They were convinced that I would be 
um, associated with crime hmm. if I wore leather. So I could do everything but wear leather until Gary, Gary Marshall made a deal with ABC and said he will only wear leather when we put um, Fonzie's bike in the scene. And the ABC said, okay. And on his way back to the studio, that was at ABC, which is in Century City, um, which is a, a small enclave in, in L.A. on the way to the beach. Okay. That's where ABC was housed at that time. And on his way back to Paramount Lot, he called the writer's room and said, never write another scene without the bike. <laughs> and the rest is history there. And the rest is history. And now it's um, in the Smithsonian. Isn't that something? I, I've seen that. I've seen that at the Smithsonian. That's pretty cool. I mean, you're there with Archie Bunker's chair and uh, Kermit the Frog and all kinds of other great uh, it iconic is items. amazing, yeah. to tell you the truth. Yeah. Well, your character and the show became such a cultural phenomenon at that time. And, I mean, you went quickly from a supporting player to one of the stars of the show. And I got to assume that the success and visibility came very quickly. Was it overwhelming? Very quickly. Was it overwhelming at the time? You know, it was overwhelming just because more people talked to me than I knew in my life. Sure. You know, and... And they stopped me everywhere I went, and I couldn't. I couldn't get over that. I went to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, to make a personal appearance, and three thousand people were at the airport at eleven thirty at night. And I thought, oh, oh my goodness! I'm, I'm here. If I walk through this, I'm spoiling somebody's party. And somebody <laughs> said, the party is for you. Wow, that was amazing. Absolutely was. Yeah, absolutely was. Yeah, I'm very proud um, that I was part of that ensemble. Yeah, so I'm. I, you know what? I'm. I am living. You better be very careful what you ask for. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I am a lucky, lucky human being on this earth. You're having a good time too. Yeah, I am. All right, Henry. Thanks so much for spending some time with what us tonight. What a pleasure to chat with you. Same here. All right, talk soon. It's Dave Flyer at seven twenty WGN. 50s throwback TV comedy Happy Days turns 50 this Monday. Now here's my conversation with Ralph Melth, Donnie Most. Oh, thanks. Good to be here. So glad you're here. When was the last time you were in Chicago? You were probably doing some jazz, some uh, some standards, some something here. That's exactly right. Uh, I think about three years ago at uh, Andy's Jazz Club. Yeah. And, and I, I did... I, uh, I did sort of a guest stint with the Chicago Jazz Orchestra, and it was a blast. I had a great time. And then I was, I was on WGN uh, on the TV, you know, morning news. Morning news, yeah. Probably about uh, two years ago or a year ago, um, and I got to do. Uh, they had a, a big band also called Big Band Boom, and I, I did a Christmas song. So that that's was awesome. fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I think Anson came on and did Splish Splash. Oh, Some years ago. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. Yes, I, I remember I remember the producer, Jeff, telling Jeff Hoover, me. Jeff yeah. Hoover, yes. Jeff Hoover, yeah. absolutely. I'm a big TV geek. Um, I've had your fellow cast members, Henry Winkler, Marion Ross, Anson Williams on the show. Marion Ross was the only one that said the F word on the air uh, to me, by the way. We, we, we had to bleep that out at some point. Probably doesn't surprise you. Um, but, but it might have surprised you. Right? <laughs> it might have surprised me a little bit. But they, they all agree, too, that the cast of, of that show was such a family. Yeah, you know, and it sounds kind of cliche, oh, we're yeah, family, yeah. but it, it really was the case. Um, uh, we got along just famously and pro on a professional level and a personal level, and... And uh, it was a great 
bringing together, uh, you know, you have to give the casting director, but I think the executive producers, Gary Marshall and, and, and Tom Miller and Ed Milkus, the original uh, exec producers, uh, for, for picking the people that they did. And, 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 and they went to pretty great lengths to this. I remember my screen test. Oh my, it was like a, it was like running the gauntlet. You know, I mean, um, I had had several auditions and then I had to do the screen test and, um, and I was there all day. You know, it wasn't just doing your scene and, and you're waiting because there were all the other actors. But then you had to do an improv with what, somebody. And then they did an interview with you on tape. I mean, they wanted to see see you in, from so up and down and yeah. back and forth so that – and I guess they want they they were anticipating, you know, how all these people would – would uh, blend together. Well, there, was, there was no Ralph Melf, though, at the time, was there? Not really. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I was screen testing for the role of Potsy. And, um, and that's a whole long story, which I will say for another one. But uh, Anson, who originally played Potsy in a previous version of the... They did a pilot that didn't sell, Ron and Anson. Right. So anyway, they got cast again after this whole, this whole rigmarole of screen tests. But the executives, from what I found out later, um, well, my agent said the executives liked your screen test so much that they they decided they were going to create a role for you. How to, cool is that? Yeah. After going through all that, and no, we like this guy so much, yeah. he's going to be on. We're we're going to we're going to make it happen. For yeah, him. and there yeah. was a small part of a guy Ralph in the in the pilot episode, and they said we'll yeah. make that a regular. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Those first couple of years, uh, we were talking a little bit off air about it. Those first couple of years, the way it was it was filmed, it was just a little bit of a different vibe back then. Very American graffiti because it was post that time. Right. It was yeah. Graffiti came out in '73, and we went on the air. Um, we started shooting. Well, we shot the pilot at the end of '73, and uh, yes, the first two seasons we were shooting it very much like a movie, one camera. So there were more subtleties in the way, you know, in the way it's filmed and, um, and just the tone of it. it was a, it's a lot more, a lower key, more realistic kind of tone, like a, in a movie, as opposed to then what, was, what happened was the, the big successful comedies on TV at the time were in front of an audience, like right. All in the Family right. and Maud. So our ratings uh, the first year were good. We were kind of like a minor hit, but not huge. Right. And then the second year, the ratings were going down. Yeah. And th- there was a time where they weren't sure if we'd even get picked up. But then um, I think Jerry Paris, who was our brilliant director, um, maybe Gary Marshall too, the, they decided, you know what, maybe this should be a three-camera show to compete with those other ones. And, and they thought we had a perfect cast for it. Tom Bosley came from theater, you know, sure. he's from Chicago, and then he was, he won the Tony on Broadway, so he played Fiorello, and um, Marion had a lot of theater background, Henry had gone to uh, Yale Drama School, um, I had done, you know, my training in New York was more theater-oriented than film, and, and Anson had done theater. Uh, the, the, the one person that was scared, and uh, the first day, that, the first time we shot, was really scared, was Ron Howard. He had never done <laughs> right. any theater. Andy Griffith was, yeah, and, you know, and, no and, audience. And, yeah. and he had done all these movies, like Music Man as a kid and all this, but um, no, no theater. But uh, he did amazing. But we, that's why they decided, let's uh, turn this and try it out as a three-camera. And also moving the character of the Fonz into the forefront more 
because his character was becoming so popular. And then that's when we started taking off. Is that, that when Thursday. you knew that this was big? I can't go out in public anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, third yes. Season, somewhere maybe. in that third season, uh, by the, we shot up to like number one, you know, in the yeah. country, and stayed there for a couple of years, and then two, whatever. But um, but the tone of the show definitely changed. It became, you know, it's this hybrid between live and film. Yeah. So um, when you look back at the episodes, you'll see a distinct difference between those Very much fir- so. first two seasons and the ones after. But you think about the ratings at that time, half of America sitting down and watching that. We'll never yeah. see that again. I know. I mean, we were having like 50, 60 million people watching yeah. us on a Tuesday night. I know. It's pretty pretty crazy yeah yeah and it's fast approaching and i dare i say like the 50 year mark i mean it's coming up soon you know oh, 74 so it'll 74 be 74 is when we premiere in a few yeah. years oh, yeah god. it seems unreal <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> that it's be, be, become such a big part of tv history I yeah mean, when people he, see you guys and they people get excited because that was part of growing up in the 70s yeah they do especially like if they see i'm, I'm really good for i mean we're still all friends but yeah. anson and i have um, because we we don't live that far from each other, and and because of circumstances and whatever, we, we're probably even better friends now than we were then. I mean, we're That's just cool. really tight. So when we're out together and people see us together, they get a really I big kick. I bet they do. I bet they really do. Really big kick. I bet they do. Yeah. You sang before you even started acting. Yes. And at some point on the series, you talked to Gary Marshall and said, okay, Anson's doing some singing. <laughs> right. Like, can I, can I throw myself in there and do this? Yeah. Yeah. What happened was, uh, yeah, I was singing in, in nightclubs in the Catskill mountains when I summer, uh, when I was 15 years old. Wow. And, um, then I put it aside and really focused on acting. And five years later, you know, I was on happy days, but, um, Anson had done musical theater and he had approached Gary early on. Some, you know, early in the first season it said and he tells a very funny story in his book which is called singing to a bulldog and 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 there's a chapter in it with when he convinced gary to let him he said we we should have a band you know you have all the other stuff about the 50s you got the the cars the 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 poodle skirts you know all (laughs) all of the stuff going on but you don't have the music and we could have a band at arnold's and so he convinced uh, gary to let him try it and Gary liked it, and you know Anson had, was a good singer, and he had done uh, done musical theater. So they they did more and more, and then at one point I I took a meeting with Gary because I wanted to, you know was lobbying for me to get a chance, but but he didn't want to go there because he felt he had already established Anson that Potsy is the singer, and Ralph was more of a cut up, you know, kind of thought he yeah. was a comedian. He didn't want to mess with with that. So I didn't really, every once in a while, yeah, once every, in a while. every once in a yeah, while, but yeah. for the most part I didn't. It was a little frustrating, but I knew one day, it wasn't the music that I really loved anyway. I mean, I, I liked some of it, but the music that was in my blood was were the the great jazz standards, you know, great yeah. American songbook, and, right. and I knew I'd want to do that at some point. And I did, five, six years ago, started putting a show together been doing it at clubs in new york it's great LA. reviews i know yeah yeah um studio uh 54 below in new york and jazz uh, out in la catalina's jazz club and all of that kind of stuff and then did a cd called the most mostly swinging That's with awesome. a great yeah. big band and i just love that kind of stuff very cool you met your wife on the show i did yeah 35 years now you um third we just had we just had our 
38th oh, wedding anniversary. Ooh, Congratulations. Yes, 38 years. Yeah, she did a guest spot on Happy Days. It was what turned out to be my last season because uh, I did the first seven. And then right. uh, my contract was up. Um, I opted not to to renew. And But luckily, uh, Morgan, my wife, uh, was on the show during that last season when we started dating and got married two years after. Look at that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, wonderful. And then... You know, you get kind of associated with that. And uh, and th- then it was hard for me to even audition for the dramatic part yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah. You know, that's how things go. But but luckily what's, you know, with and it was very hard for a while to get away from uh, being so associated with r- the character sure. of Ralph. But the one thing, a good one thing about aging, uh, that, that's another thing from the play. <laughs> was finger somebody, in the air. <laughs> somebody says, name one good thing about aging, you know, and, and then the character, I won't give you the answer. But for me, um, the, it's created more distance f- from that character as I've gotten older yeah. and the time. And I'm now getting to play all kinds of roles that I've always wanted to do. I like playing a, a wide variety. And I, I did a movie called MBF, uh, which is on Amazon Prime now. And it's a pretty powerful film. And I play a defense attorney um, defending a wounded vet. And um, and then I did another one for the same company we shot in Michigan, actually, right on the other side of this lake, on the on the very western part of of, of Michigan. Oh, that's cool. And uh, it was called Lost Heart, and it's a really nice script. I play a small town pastor in that, and then I did the play Art recently, which is a, a total departure again yeah. for, for for from people that would think of me as Ralph. Here's the good thing, Donnie. You still got it. <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> you still got it. So thrilled you came in the studio to hang out with us. Oh, thanks. It was really great talking with you. I, I totally enjoyed it. 